Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Depending on where you are in the world today, we thank you for tuning into the Being Love in Action podcast. I am your host, Kenya C. Williams of Kenya C. Williams Ministries, and we just are excited about already we are in the third week of the year 2019 and I pray that this year has already started off with God literally blowing your mind amen and we invite you on today to be part of this wonderful podcast while we walk through one of the most love inspired texts of the Bible 1 Corinthians 13 verses 1 through 8 So listen, we encourage you to pull out your journals, fill your coffee and teacups, sip your water and listen with an open heart and mind while being inspired, empowered and even challenged as we share through the gospel of Jesus Christ what it means to being love in action. Welcome again. Thank you for tuning in once again. I am Kenya C. Williams of Kenya C. Williams Ministries, and we thank you for tuning in today to our third podcast of the year. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Episode 11. And listen, on today, we're going to bring you a word of encouragement, a word of empowerment, and a word that I pray that will transform your lives from this day moving forward. Today, we're going to look at what it means when we talk about the cost of our sacrifice. Amen. And that is a, that's a a subject I think many times we don't really look at, but the, the, while studying the text, and this is one of my favorite texts, um, the story of David in second Samuel 24 chapter, But we're going to focus on a couple of verses. But the main focus of this text is going to be the 24th verse. Amen. And the title of this word on today is called the cost of my sacrifice. Amen. Sacrifice, sacrifice. When we say sacrifice, what does that mean? What does it mean to sacrifice? And when you look up the word sacrifice, it means destruction or surrendering of something for the sake of something else or something giving at a loss, given at a loss. In other words, a cost, something that is done or done for you or something you are doing or have done that is going to be beneficial, not only to yourselves, but to others connected to you. Amen. A sacrifice is something that has to hurt. I know that may not make sense to some of you and you may say, well, why would I want to do something that hurt me? But when I talk about hurt, I'm, I'm talking about in the in the context of relinquishing ourselves or putting ourselves in a vulnerability that the things that we hold on to or that we deem important in our lives, we relinquish them to someone or something where we we are so connected to that thing 
that we're willing to give all of who we are to that thing. I know that, that that may boggle the minds of some people because in reality, we live in a selfish and a self-centered world. We live in a time where, where, where sacrifice is something that is done in mediocrity. And that's why I'm here to share with you through the word of God that whatever you do, and if you've done it in the past, or even if you're doing it now and you do it under the context or under the banner of sacrifice and it costs you nothing. Listen to me and I want you to hear me clearly. I'm not saying that it doesn't cost you something. What do you mean when you say that? Well, it has to cost you something. You know, when you go to the store, sometimes we, we think about our the dollar in our pocket. We may have a dollar or ten dollars or we may have a thousand dollars. And so when we walk on the grocery aisles, there are some things that are considered name brand and there's some things that are considered uh, uh, off brand or, or, or not the brand that we we see that's being marketed because normally we equate the, 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 the name brand items as those that consider or have the best ingredients. I, I want you to walk with me because I'm going somewhere. The things that we consider name brand are the things that we look at that have a higher value or it is more costly. Mm. You know, um, I, I will say this and I say this. Um, in truth and honesty, and, and, and it's not meant to offend anyone, um, but it may fin- offend someone. And that's OK, because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm giving my uh, my truth as well as I will show you through the word of God. But but but, you know, if we've grown up in a life where we've been, you know, we have money or we have wealth or we have riches and and a woman who is used to a wealthy or a rich lifestyle. She's used to maybe paying $30,000 for a Birkin bag. And and I'm going to be very honest with you. If I hit the lottery today, I know that I could not spend $30,000 on a Birkin bag. Now, if, if, if you were to talk to the 18 to 25 year old Kenya, those who knew me knew that I loved nice things and I love expensive things, things that were expensive Considering my own budget, I want you to understand that I wasn't trying to live above my means, but in my own budget and in my mind and in my world, it was expensive. It was nothing for me to spend. Four hundred, five hundred dollars on a purse. And, and, and in those days, coach was my purse. That was my go to purse, not the signature coach bags, but it was the leather ones. You, Those who are in the DMV area and those who. Know about Coach, the original coaches in the leather, awesome bags, durable bags. So once a year, I would literally purchase a Coach bag for myself. That would be my my self gift, and, and and you know they would be from three fifty to four fifty. I think is the most that I've ever paid for a designer bag, and that was Coach. Amen. And 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 sometimes um, I would pay for. You know, I love watches and I used to love ink. I like incline. And sometimes I would pay. I think the most I paid for an incline watch was like three hundred dollars. Right. And so, you know, clothes, I, I liked incline and I like Ann Taylor. And, 
you know, those who knew me, they knew how I dressed. I liked Lily Rubin and I used to go to the swatch shop and buy the, the whole outfit, you know, um, you know, I like nice things and, and I thank God for my uncle. May he rest in peace. My uncle Jason, when I was, you know, in high school, you know, I would want the guest jeans. You know, I always wanted something that was different that everybody else didn't have. And, you know, 50 or $60 was the normal price for a pair of guest jeans. Well, you know, I wanted the ones that maybe was 80 to a hundred dollars. And I thank God that I could go to my uncle Jason and he would, he would purchase it. He would give me the money. He said, okay, Nisi, I, I got you. And he would give it to me. Amen. But I know because what I've experienced in life as a young adult and in, in those, my taste and the value of things begin to change when I got married and I began to have children because now my focus was no longer on the expense or the cost of my clothing and my jewelry. But now I was a mother and I had to readjust my mindset. So the value of those things that I valued at those times begin to shift. And now that that I've experienced life in the way that I have and I know what it is to be poor and I know what it is to not have. I can say to you that $30,000 I could never spend for a bag because that $30,000 is a home. I can purchase a home for $30,000. In a community where there are abandoned homes, I can purchase a home for $30,000 to help a family. I could purchase a car for $30,000. I can help pay off a student loan for someone for $30,000. So for me, $30,000 for a purse is, it, it, you know, it's, it, it has no value to me. So for me, that 30,000 would be more of a sacrificial giving when the need is more there. When, uh, when I'm, I'm housing a family opposed to buying a purse, I need you to stick with me because I'm going somewhere. So it's not about the cost many times as much as we value what we're considering as a sacrifice. And here in this text, as we walk through this text, I, I want us to look at King David in, in, in 2 Samuel 24. And when you get a chance, I want you to read the whole text. I'm going to jump in and out with different in and out of the text with different uh, scriptures. So, you know, when you get a chance, I, I, I pray that you read the entire text. Amen. But remember, we're talking about sacrifice, sacrifice. What does it mean? What does it mean to sacrifice? And and we remember when I set up the text, it's it said that David replied to Araniah. I, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord, my God, burnt offerings that cost me nothing. In this text, there are three things that we're going to look at, three components of the cost of a sacrifice. And and without these three components, you can't really begin to understand if you're really offering a sacrifice. We're going to look at the purpose of the sacrifice, the plan of a sacrifice. And then we're going to also look at the power of sacrifice. So hey, this is how the story begins. King David, 
The word of God says in, in, in 2 Samuel 24 and 1, it begins with this. Again, the anger of the Lord burned against Israel. And he, he, the enemy, the evil one, Satan, incited David against them, saying, go and take a census of Israel and Judah. Now, on the surface, David is the king. What is the problem or what is what would have been or why is it considered a bad thing to ask for a census? I mean, in, in logic or common sense or just for face value, if we look at that, we would say, well, what's the problem? He was the king. You know, um, you know, what's the problem of him wanting to find out the purpose of a census? What's the problem? But here's. Here is the here is the thing. A census, the census wasn't the problem. It was why he wanted to have the census. The kingdom was at peace. So to find out how many fighting men when the kingdom was in a state of peace was considered an arrogant mood. I want you to catch this. Just because we can do some things or we have the authority to do it does not mean it's beneficial to do it. There must be a moral standard or compass that we live by on a day to day basis. And so David says to the general. He says to him, he said, listen, I need you to go throughout Israel and I need you to go out the land of Judah and I need you to find out. How many fighting men we have. And, and Joab, who was the general of, of, the, of the army, says to King David, listen, uh, King, my Lord, uh, do you really think this is necessary? You know, do you really think that we need to, to do this at this time? And what I like about Joab, and this is what I want y'all to understand, we need to make sure that in our lives that we are connected to people that will call us out. Watch this. When we are doing things that are not in moral standards, I want you to understand me. We don't need to just have friends, family members or people that we supposed to love and value connected to us if they can't call us out in other words i'm not telling i'm not saying call us out in in a in a in a way of being disrespectful or in a way to undermine our authority joab was not trying to undermine king david's authority in fact as as a trusted servant to the king he had he believed that he not only had a relationship with the king, but he had enough wisdom to say to the king, listen, this is not a good idea. Because, you know, the, the country is at peace and it, it won't look right, king, if you do this. Now, I will do it because I'm under your authority to do it. But as the general in the position that you have me in. I'm going to be truthful to you. 
I want you to understand you need people around you that can be truthful to you even when you don't like it. Amen. And so Joab tells King David, listen, do we need to do this? And then David pulls the authority card and he says, yeah, we're going to do it. I hear what you're saying, but I remember it said very early on that he was incited by the enemy. Now, it wasn't that God told the enemy, God will never incite us to sin. But what God will allow is life to happen. And then we make the decisions based upon our heart to either sin or not sin. I want you to catch what I said. It wasn't that God sent the enemy to David to cause David to sin. No, what he did was gave David an opportunity to operate in a moral compass, knowing who he was and God and knowing the God he served. But that's why it, the word of God says we got to have the flesh under submission because then this is what happens. The Bible says it took nine months for them to go out through the kingdom and to find out how many fighting men they had. They said it was 800 men, 800,000 men in Israel. And then it was 500,000 men in Judah. And when he got the word to come back, of uh, when he got the word to come back, now that they found out, the report has come back to David that now there's almost over 1.4 million fighting men available under the rulership of King David. And as Joab gives King David this information, in verse 10, it says, David was conscience stricken after he had counted the fighting men and he said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. Now, Lord, I beg you to take away the guilt of your servant. I have done a very foolish thing. And it says before David got up the next morning, the word of the Lord came to Gad and Gad was the prophet. Understand that in, in a position of authority or even in, in our lives, we, we, we need the prophets. We need the men and women of God or even children that can speak a word directly from the Lord to us of instruction. And the word of God says that Gad, the prophet, David seer said, go and tell David, this is what the Lord says. I'm giving you three options. Choose one of them for me to carry out against you. And so he says to, to David, here are your options. I can give you three years of famine on the land or three months of fleeing from your enemies while they pursue you or three days of plague in your land. Now then think it over and decide how I should answer the one who sent me. That goes to the very first point of the text. Verse 17 says, when David saw so David decides 
to go with the latter of the play, the, the consequences. And he says, I would rather have the people of God stricken with the plague for three days. Because if I decide to allow mankind's hand on my life, I know that man will not be merciful to me. But God, I know that even in your chastisement of me, you are merciful. People of God, I want you to understand this. We got to be careful. When we make decisions. And we think that it's only affecting us when it affects the people connected to us. For those who are in positions of authority. We see what's going on in our nation today. Not just in America, but in many countries. There are politicians or leaders that make decisions that affect thousands of people. Watch this. It wasn't the people that made the decision to count up the fighting men. It was David. And the word of God says 70,000 people perished as a result of his sin. Now watch this. The Bible said that God's heart angered among on Israel. So it wasn't just the leader, David, in his heart that revealed his arrogance and his pridefulness. That's why he sent out the census. But it also looked at the hearts of the people. What was going on in that time in the hearts of God's people? He wanted them to get it. He needed them to understand. Listen, people of God. I know that we're in a time where all we hear is, you know, the, the, the blessings of God and all the wonderful things of God. But listen, there are consequences to our actions. If we do not obey the word of God, yes, we fall under grace. But understand that grace does not cover continual intentional sin. We talked about that in last week's podcast. When God talks about leaving you to your own devices, he will remove himself from your life when you continue to sin. Many times we go to church Sunday after Sunday. And many of us know when we go to church, we pray and we cry and we fall on the altar. And in our hearts, we know we're going to continue to live and continue to sin in that adulterous comp in that adulterous relationship. We're going to continue in that fornicating relationship, having sex with a man or a woman that's not our husband or wife. We're going to continue to sin in that unnatural relationship of two women and two men. We're going to continue to gossip and to slander. We're going to continue to lie and to cheat. Those who are supposed to be clergies, some of them will continue to pimp the people of God. Come on, somebody. It don't sound nice, but it's the truth. Some of us know what we're supposed to represent 
as husbands, as wives, as mothers and fathers, and we abandon our responsibilities. And we know we're going to do it. We have no remorse to it. And we go to the church week after week, month after month. And we don't believe at some point the day of reckoning will catch up with us. And some of us, our days of reckoning has caused trauma on those who did nothing. Husbands who don't lead their families properly, lead their families into ruin. Mothers who are not demonstrating what mothers and daughters should be are leading their daughters into destruction and ruin. Church leaders who are not living lifestyles worthy of God are leaving their parishioners and members into ruin. Politicians who are not upholding the very declarations that they were put in place to hold up are leaving their fellow people into destruction. And here David, in a position of authority, was leading people into destruction. Not because of something they did, but because of something he did with a selfish heart. See, the purpose of his sacrifice initially began because he understood that there needed to be a repentance, an atonement for the sins that he brought on the people of God. And so he began the plan of the sacrifice and if you look at verses 18 through 21, it talks about David being told by the prophet Gad to go and to build an altar. And so David now understands that the plan of the sacrifice was to build an altar unto the Lord. That he needed to offer up a sacrifice to God in order to stop the plague on the people. See, there is a part in this text in verse 17 when David saw with his eyes the angel of the Lord was striking down the people and he said to the Lord, Lord, I have sinned. He said, I, the shepherd, I'm the one who's done wrong. These are but sheep. What have they done? Let your hand fall on me and my family. See, now David was at a point that this thing had become personal to him. It had become personal because he saw the pain of his actions. And when he saw the pain of his actions, he repented immediately. We got to understand that in sacrifice, there, there must be a, a, a plan of of why and how we're going to atone for our sins.
But the power of the sacrifice was love. I want you to look at the last text, part of the text, when it says in verse 24, But the king replied to Araniah, No, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. David was given specific instructions by the prophet Gad. He said, I want you to go and I want you to purchase a threshing floor. And a threshing floor was a, a land, a parcel of land that was used to winnow or shift the weed or uh, to harvest the wheat or the grains. And he was told to go to this land, this particular area and purchase it from the owner, which his name was Araniah, who was a Jebusite. And he said, go and purchase it. And when Araniah saw King David coming, he ran to the king. Of course, he, he bowed down in reverence to the king and he says to him, how can I help you, my Lord? And David says, I need to purchase your threshing floor. And Araniah says to him, well, king, you don't have to purchase it. I want to give you not only the threshing floor, I want to give you the burnt offering, the oxen for the burnt offering. I'm going to give you the threshing sledges. I want to give you the ox yokes for the wood. He said, whatever you need, I'm going to give it all to you. And sometimes in life, when people bless us with things, especially something, when there is a need, we can receive it. But there are sometimes there are things that are given to us that we can't receive. And you may say, why would he not have received these things that Araniah was giving to him? And David says, and I'm going to read it again. He says, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God. See, that thing was personal. He said, I can't offer something to my God. If it does not cost me something, see the cost of sacrifice must have a value to you that is invaluable. See, David knew that not only the physical part of the sacrifice, getting the oxen and getting everything prepared that was just the physical part of it. But the spiritual part of the sacrifice, oh, bless your name, oh God, had to cost him something. See, the value of the God that he served and his heart of repentance was one that he understood 
that it had to cost him something. Listen, people of God. I like when God uses sometimes throughout the word of a God money and how the difference. There's a part of the scripture where it talks about the poor woman. And she gave all she had. Whatever the, the pennies was. And she gave it all. That was a sacrifice. Because it cost her everything. It cost her everything. Remember the meaning. If you look it up in the Webster's Dictionary. It says the surrendering of something for the sake of something else. Something given. See David was feeling that thing. Because now David wanted to give up and surrender. His heart. His sin unto God. So that the people he loved would be redeemed and spared. Oh my God. What have you sacrificed to God for others in your life? I'm not talking about giving from a place of plenty. Listen to what I'm talking about, people of God. See, a husband who has a full bank account and he relinquishes if he's, you know, a rich man and he gives his wife $500 a month and he has 5000 in that bank account. Is that a sacrifice? Now we're not talking about, let's not get into the, the context of you know, meeting the need. I'm, I'm just talking about will it, will it really feel? And for that man, that husband, yes. Because that $500 for that wife to just do some special things for herself is a sacrifice. Because by the time he pays the bills and everything, $500 would have cost him something. But for a man who has $5 million in his bank account, and he gives his wife $500 a month, and he has $5 million a month, does that really cost him? Will he really feel that thing? No, he won't. God wants all of us. See, the sacrifice is giving and relinquishing everything unto the Lord. Everything, everything, everything. When you love someone, and you sacrifice for them. You do it because of love. See, the last point was the power of sacrifice. And that is love. Because it brings to those who we give our all to. It demonstrates love to one another. Like Jesus did on Calvary. See, he became the ultimate sacrifice in love. As you walk away today from this word, I pray that it inspired you to be mindful. That sacrifice is something 
that is only done when we have a value to that which we're relinquishing or giving to. We must value that. And until we do it, where we do it from a place of purpose, why? A place of planning how? And then from a place of power, which is love, we have to ask ourselves the question, is it really a sacrifice? David knew he had done wrong. And he knew that he had to repent and atone. There was a responsibility. And ultimately, he had to sacrifice, not for him and his family. He said, God, deal with me and my family. My people did nothing wrong. So that's why that sacrifice cost him something. Because he did it from a place of love. Listen, maybe you don't know Jesus Christ is the, in the pardon of your sins. Maybe you've never understood what, what it means to have someone to sacrifice for you. Jesus sacrificed his ultimate love on Calvary. The Bible says he bore every sin. The word of God says that we are all sinful in nature. We all have fallen short of the glory of God. That's Romans 3 and 2. Romans 3 and 23. I'm sorry. But because of who Jesus was, the Son of God, the Bible tells us the only way to the Father, to God, is through the Son, Jesus Christ. But the beauty of it is, is that in Romans 10 and 9, it tells us, to repent, turn away from the sinful things just like David did. He knew he messed up. It's a simple prayer. Father, I've messed up. Whatever it's personal but to you, God, I'm sorry. I ask you to come into my heart on today. I'm relinquishing my life to you, God, on today. I want to start a new day on today, Father God. And the Bible says that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. That's a, that's a simple prayer. And maybe you've stepped away from God. Listen, he's always available. He's a gracious God. David said he would rather deal with God's chance of chastisement than to deal with man. He said, because he know man would not be merciful. We serve a merciful God. He's always willing to forgive. I pray that on today, that you were encouraged, inspired, and that you may be transformed from the word of God on today. I love you with the love of our Savior. And I pray that on today, from the story of David and his own transgressions, and at the end of the story, we saw how love in action transformed the heart of man. I pray today 
that you be love in action and that the power of the Holy Spirit blesses you tremendously. Be blessed. And until next week, I love each and every one of you with the love of Christ. And this is Kenya C. Williams of Kenya C. Williams Ministries. God bless you until we meet again. Amen.